the gospel according to Mark, chapter 5, starting with verse 21. And when you have it, please stand. The word of God reads as follows. When Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd had gathered around him and he was by the sea. Then one of the leaders of the synagogue named Jairus came and said when he saw him and fell at his feet and begged him repeatedly. My little daughter is to the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. That's enough. You may be seated. God's word for God's people and God's people said, amen. Amen. I often say I'm not much for titles, but uh, the title of the sermon today is Christ the Conqueror. It's Christ the Conqueror. We come to Jesus in uh, the gospel according to Mark, and uh, this is right after he has healed the man that was possessed with many demons, the one where he asked him what is his name, and he said that, I am legion, for I am many. So you come in just off of that, and I, I like the gospel according to Mark for many reasons. Uh, he's short and to the point. Uh, he uses the term immediately a lot. Uh, doesn't spend a lot of time dressing the things up. It's it's Jesus is here, Jesus is here, and Jesus is about to get to work. And so he goes from one miracle to the next. And I like that about the gospel according to Mark. And it's also because uh, it was written by someone who followed uh, the disciple Peter around. And so it, it reflects a lot of his temperament. Um, you know, uh, P- Peter, Peter was very short and sweet and to the point he told you how he felt about things, didn't matter if you liked it or not, and often had a, a weapon on him. And when something happened, you know, he'd cut the ear off. But, and Jesus had to go ahead and put the ear back on. But that was that was Peter. Yeah. And I take comfort in that kind of thing to know that you can be a believer and not have to walk with your nose in the air. And Peter was real. And so the gospel according to Mark, when it was written, because it's Peter's story, was just as real. So we're coming just off of him casting all of those demons into the swine. And here he is, crossing again in a boat, and a man by the name of Jairus comes up to him and says that he needs help because his daughter is at the point of death. Now, in my research, I've learned that the ruler of the synagogue, see, you had, with the Hebrew people, you had temple worship, but there was really only one temple. And sometimes, if you couldn't live anywhere within that temple, you'd have to go to the synagogue. And the synagogue was 
community based, almost like a community center is today, along with the worship. This is where people met. If you wanted to see the most uh, people who believed in the living God and the people who were gathering together in the community, you would go to a synagogue if you wanted to see them. Now, because of history and time, uh, the synagogue is what is lived on amongst the uh, Jewish people as opposed to what the Sadducees did or uh, the Essenes who were in the diaspora. The, the, the Pharisees, the ones who ran the synagogue, so to speak, are the ones that lived on. So this ruler of a synagogue, Jairus, was a prominent person. He was responsible for the maintenance of the building, sometimes leading worship, being the caretaker of the community, a pillar of the community. And he needed Jesus. So it doesn't matter, you know, how big you get, what kind of title you have, whether you are on the maintenance staff, which is an honorable profession, or you are the CEO or the chairman of the board, you still need Jesus. And so Jairus came to Jesus because his daughter was sick. And I like that he came to Jesus when his daughter was sick. He didn't come to his friends, didn't come to his boss, didn't go tell people, didn't curse. No, he went directly to Jesus. And I feel that you can solve a lot more things by going directly to Jesus than trying to figure it out for yourself. I mean, human nature sometimes makes us want to figure it out for ourselves. Human nature sometimes makes us want to try to figure it out. But it's best to go to Jesus. And that's what he did. But Jesus got sidetracked uh, by our standards. Jesus got sidetracked because if I ask somebody to do something, you know, I expect them to do it right then. You know, I often would get in trouble when I was younger. I would um, be playing video games and my mother would say, Johnny, I need you to take out the trash. That meant now. That didn't mean when you finish the game. That didn't mean when I get off the phone, when I get off Facebook, when I... Now, when you ask for something, you want it now. And that's human nature again. But Jesus got sidetracked as he went because the scripture goes on to say that he went through a crowd. A bunch of people around him and the disciples. And he ran into the woman with an issue of blood and she touched him and was healed. But to, but to give a little background on it, the, the, according to the Levitical laws, this woman with an issue of blood would have been outcast. See, when you had any kind of bleeding problem going on, you were supposed to stay outside the, the grounds with, the, with the, the good folk. You couldn't be around them because they were worried that if whatever issue you had, it could be transferred by coming in contact with your blood. So she had been an outcast, socially outcasted, unclean according to the Levitical laws. And because she had this issue of blood for 12 years, she would have been in a state of constant and repeated impurity. 
So nobody would have wanted to touch her. And the scripture goes on to say that she spent all her money. And she had to have had some sort of means by, by looking into the scripture because if you can't hang around people, the, the, the economy of those times was not the same as the economy is now. Women weren't able to really gather up that, that many different forms of employment. So she had to have money to, in order to go to the doctor because nobody would have been around her. That would have had to have been her money. And she spent it all trying to get this fixed, going to doctor after doctor. And, you know, you can relate to that sometimes going going from one place to one place and trying this and trying that. And it's still not working. And she spent all her money and was by herself. No money. No friends. And a matter of fact, the Bible says the situation got worse. It got worse still in the Bible you're paying, you're going to the doctor you're taking your medicine you're doing everything you need to do and the situation got worse you know it's easy to praise when everything's going your way but what about when it's not can you praise them when you're about to get fired can you praise them when you're fighting with your family, can you praise them when your friends or who you thought were your friends turned their backs on you. Can you still praise him? But going through all of this, being by herself without companionship and being marked as unclean and a social outcast and not even supposed to be in public. She still reached out to Jesus. In spite of all. She said, if I can just touch the hem of his garment. Not if the pastor can touch the hem of his garment for me. Not if I could just hear my favorite song. Not if I can just get along with all these people. Not if, you know, the the choir singing or the preacher lathering up. She said if I can just touch the hem of his garment. Her faith moved her to act. Not just sit around and say, well, the Lord will take care of it. Her faith moved her to act. There is no miracle I have seen that God has not done without somebody doing an action. It's not to say that God cannot do it without you, but there are things that need to be done. And and, and you sometimes have to step out on your own. Your faith has to move you to act. When, When the Lord blessed Abraham. He told him to get out of his country. I will bless you and make your name great, but I need you to get out of your current country. When the Lord blessed the widow who had nothing but a few jars and a little bit of oil, she had to take that. She had to take what she had and give it to the prophet in order for them to move. Anytime there's a miracle performed, there's an action that has to be done. You don't just sit around on yourself. And so her faith moved her to act. And she reached out on her own without the lathering of a DS or a bishop or a nice building or a bunch of people cheering them on or a bunch of choirs. Or in that. Her faith moved her to act. If I can just touch the hem of his garment. And then Jesus noticed her. If you were to reach out to Jesus, would he notice you? Or would it be lost in the crowd?
would he know somebody touched me? You know, in my day job, I uh, facilitate training for people to, that want to get a, a, a construction certificate. And uh, I'm a case manager for a group of people. And one of the training facilities we use is the Houston Area Urban League. It's on the southeast side of Houston almost. And uh, when you go in, you have to sign your name and you'll put your phone number down and your address and what time you came in and sign out. But I've been to that Houston Area Urban League so many times that I can walk through the door and not have to sign anything. After class, after class of coming through, the employees of the Houston Area Urban League know me. I spent some time with them. I've developed a relationship with them. I've sat and talked with them. So if I were to reach out to them when I have to call on them because I need something, they know who I am. If you reached out to Jesus, would he know? Do you reach just on Sunday? Do you reach just when you need something? You got to be able to reach out and know. And coming in contact with Jesus changed her. She was healed. And Jesus knew she was healed. Coming in contact with Jesus opens up blinded eyes. Coming in contact with Jesus makes you last when your money is low and bills are due. Coming in contact with Jesus makes you feel all right when it don't feel like nobody else likes you. Coming in contact with Jesus changes a situation. Shackled by a heavy burden, neath a load of guilt and shame. But then the hand of Jesus, he touched me. And now I am no longer the same. Something happened. He touched me. And all the joy that fills my soul. Something happened. He touched me and made me whole. Coming in contact with Jesus changes things. The touch of Jesus is undeniable. And it was shown here in the scripture by when the woman touched her. An issue that had been going on for 12 long years was gone immediately. Not take a couple pills and go through this seven day regiment. It was done immediately. Coming to contact with Jesus changes things. And Jesus knew he touched her. You can't hide from Jesus. No matter how much you think you can, you can't. He knows all. He sees all. And so he stopped and said, somebody touched me. And they kind of made, hey, Jesus, it's a, it's a crowd around here. But what you talking about? Everybody touched you. I just touched you. No, no, no. This was a touch that draw, that draw the virtue out. So he stopped. And I like what he said to her in the scripture. It said, daughter, your faith has made you well. There's so much about that that is powerful. Number one, he called her daughter. Daughter indicates you are part of a family. You are you get the rights, the lights and the benefits of the. So she went from a social outcast to the touch of Jesus to being in the family. She went from being sick. To the touch of Jesus to being made whole. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. I, I like that in her faith, that pistis faith in the Greek. That believing 
even though you don't see anything. I spend money at a doctor. I expect the doctor to be made well, but she went out and touched. Didn't get a prescription. Didn't get a workout regimen. Didn't get a diet plan. She touched and got made whole right there. And then she told him all. We ought to be able to tell Jesus all. That's the only person that's not going to tell. That's the only person that we really need to tell all because that's the only person that can handle all. That's the true burden bearer, the true heavy load share. Yes, I'm not devaluing friendships and covenant relationships and being able to be completely honest with somebody. But regardless, there are some things that go on on the inside that you can't share with everybody. And even if you did, they may not be able to handle it. And even if they were able to handle it, they still won't look at you the same. So he, she told Jesus all. Her faith moved her to act. And it made her whole. And she went from being an outcast in the, family, in the social people to being called daughter by the Son of God. Jesus changes a situation. And, and even in that situation when he knew, what I loved about that situation was... When Jesus stopped and said, who touched me, people were looking to blame in their mind. Who do I blame for touching Jesus? But Jesus was looking to bless. She stayed around and told all, you know, you tarry when you really tarry with the prayer. She stayed around and told them all. Had she just touched them and just ran, she'd have got the healing, but she'd have missed the daughter. She'd have, missed, she'd have missed being called daughter and she'd have missed having her chance to tell Jesus all. Amen. They were looking to blame. Jesus was looking to bless. And by this time, Jairus' daughter had died. Jairus, the one who because of this story, God has started on the path. The, the ruler of the synagogue, the person, the big man that reached out to Jesus because he needed help. The big tall pillar in the community, the, the big shot. Now his daughter is dead. And his friends are telling him, stop bothering Jesus. You got to be careful who you surround yourself with. I mean, they mean well, and that would be if this was a, a really good doctor, you know, and the person died. I mean, that we done with the really good doctor. They can't do anything, you know. And so you mean well, but some of the messiest people I've ever met mean well. There's a saying that says that the road to hell is paved with good intentions. You can mean well. And still do something that messes the entire situation up. You can mean well. I, I heard a quote by Gary Oliver two days ago. And it said that a moral failure is rarely the result of a blowout. But it is often 
the result of a slow leak. And I can I can testify to that because I had three blowouts in the last two weeks. <laughs> that had to replace three tires. And when you're driving, you're driving smooth and then it gets you hear a pop and then it gets bumpy in the road. So you know, hey, I blew a tire. But if you got a slow leak, you may even get to a couple of your destinations. But when it finally goes, you'll come out and you'll see a flat tire and you won't know how it got there. Well, that air came out over time. Little by little. It didn't come out all at once. Comes out all at once. Everybody sees it. But over time, till it gets flat, you don't see it there. And so these people meant well. They meant well. Don't bother Jesus. Your daughter is already gone. Just go ahead and take it to the house. Let's get ready for the funeral. We got the professional mourners here. Let's do that. But I like what Jesus said. He said, don't be afraid. Only believe. I wish we could have more of that kind of attitude about it. When we're in trouble, not to be afraid, but to only believe. Not to be afraid of the current situation because Jesus' assessment of the situation is not going to be the same as ours. But that's for Jesus. So they got to the house and he had the professional mourners there and only if Jesus had came earlier, only if he had not helped somebody else out and focused only on me, we'd be all right right now. If only we'd have done that. But Jesus' assessment of the situation was not the same as his. And he said, child's not dead. The child is only sleeping. And they laughed. Still in the Bible. Laughing at our Savior. So you know what Jesus did. He put them all out. When you're dealing with detractors sometimes, you got to put everybody else out. Yes. Going back to the miracles, even I'm reminded of when the, when the, the widow and the children were there and, and Elijah was helping them get the oil that they would have enough to pay off their debts. That miracle was not performed out in the street. The Bible says she went in the back and closed the door. Sometimes we got to do that. We got to watch who we were surround ourselves with. And then other times, and, and then we have to put people out. Yeah. And even, and sometimes we got to put people out even if they haven't said anything bad about us. All the disciples didn't say something bad about what Jesus did. And they were with Jesus, but he still only took Peter, James, and John. Sometimes you got to put people out. It will help to clear the mess. It will help to focus. It will help to hear the things that you need to hear. It's very hard to talk to two people at the same time. So if you're talking to the people that don't believe and you're talking to Jesus both at the same time, you're going to miss something. And you're going to miss something important from Jesus. So he put them out. 
And then he went to the girl and he took her by the arm and said, Talitha kum. In Aramaic is, I command you to rise. Uh, the girl was dead. But Jesus' I command was more powerful than her current situation. And I command from Jesus is powerful than any other thing that can happen in your life. And I command from Jesus can change any situation around. And I command from Jesus can make demons flee. And I command Jesus can make demons run away. And I command Jesus can turn a situation where you thought somebody wasn't going to live or somebody was clinically dead to coming alive. And I command is what you need to focus on because it's greater than any other doctor's diagnosis. The situation may be pronounced dead. Your finances may be pronounced dead. Your health may be pronounced dead. Your relationship may be pronounced dead. But I command is greater than any of that. And she was brought back to good health. Not life support. Good health. And that's indicated from her appetite. Jesus said, get her something to eat. She got a full meal. I've been to the hospital a couple times and I've noticed like during the birthing process, because your body is being taxed so much, you're only allowed to eat ice chips. When someone's about to pass on, they're usually only allowed to eat ice chips. Something small, when you come off of a fast, a long fast, or a heavy sickness, you get ice chips and sometimes broth. Something liquid, something that's not hard on your system. But a Jesus I command had her skip the, the, the ice chips and the soup and the broth. He brought her back to good health. And that's better than any doctor could have done. Sure, there could have been a doctor that could have revived them. Somebody could have been that skilled. But they would have came back and, okay, well, we're going to put you on ice chips for now. And then in the day, we're going to put you on broth. And then we're going to see if you're able to go to the restroom on your own. And then we're going to see how, how long you can walk. And then we're going to have you walk around the hospital floor for a while. And then we're going to have you, we're going to take you in a wheelchair to the car. And then we're going to put you on bed rest. And then we're going to bring you back in a couple few more days to check on it and see what's going on. No. We skip all that with Jesus. Full health. And that lets us know that Christ is a conqueror. He conquers sickness with the woman of the issue of blood. Conquered death with the daughter. And it's not because, it's because he has all the power. It's not any power through any of us. It's because we believe in the one who has power. And that's where it comes from. That power is power to help us to get through anything in our life. Yeah. It's power to look at a, a, a situation and say, I'm not going to be afraid, but only believe because Christ has conquered death, hell, and the grave. God sent his son. He called him Jesus, and he came to love, heal, and forgive. He lived and died to buy my pardon. An empty grave is there to prove that my Savior lives. And because he lives, I can face tomorrow. And because he lives, all fear is gone. And I know he holds the future. And my life is worth living because he lives. In the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the doors of the church are open.